Hello and welcome to a different edition of Sports Daz Camogie. Different in that Daz isn't here. Yeah, he's busy enjoying Le Miserable. So expect plenty of references to Master the House, Bring Him Home. And can you hear people sing next week? Yeah, a lot of people are going to be asking for that before next week, I would imagine. But now you're stuck with me, Killian Whelan, and our guest co-host this week, Kilkenny Great, and current hurling and camogie analyst, Elaine Aylward. Elaine, thanks for joining me. No problem, Killian. In part one, we're going to be looking at some of the news in the field of Camogie and reflecting back on the weather-tortured All-Ireland Club Championship semi-finals. In part two, we hear from Tipperary PRO and great Geraldine Canan about their launch of their new sponsor and the announcement of their link-up with St. Joseph's in Borsalie. And then we wrap up this week's show with a look at the league fixtures from the weekend and a look ahead to this week's adventures. So... Let's have a, a look at the scenario then that has cropped up uh, over the last couple of days, Elaine. It got a little bit of traction on social media and even on the, the national airwaves as well. I would call it the egocentric argument that led to both Davy Fitzgerald and Connor Dolan sent to the stand in the closing stages of Cork's win over Clare. It didn't look great, did it? No, it's not what you want to be talking about, I suppose, after the weekend. Look, it was a, a game with Camogie played in tough conditions, but look, a good game by all accounts. And you know, the first out in the league for Cork. So I suppose that's what you really want to be talking about, not two managers on the sideline going out of hot and heavy and having to be sent to the stands or whatever. So I think it takes away from the Camogie a small bit. And um, okay, just a distraction I don't think Camogie needs. You know, we're capable of creating our own distractions at times. But uh, no, I think the focus and the talk you'd want to see after the weekend should be off the game. Um, I'm not sure whether the Camogie had too much to do with the row on the sideline or whether there was issues that ran deeper than that maybe from... All accounts, uh, the day didn't start great down there anyway with the weather and the pitches and everything. But like I said, I just think it's a distraction that we could all have done without. Yeah, a distraction, all right, that, uh, as he said, that, you know, you see all the women on the field getting raring, ready to go the last five minutes of the game and the two lads are uh, button heads on the sideline. Uh, you know, I did kind of bring this up with Darren previous uh, to the, our conversation about Davy. You know, it could be good or bad or the ugly with him. And uh, unfortunately, we've started off with a little bit of ugly. Yeah, look, that's the thing. I think and when, when Davy was coming into Cork, it was like all the talk was about him, kind of nearly forgetting that Matthew Toomey was actually the manager and that Davy is just the coach or the trainer down there. And all the talk was he'd give them a night or two a week, maybe, and he'd be involved in the background. But look, I don't know, is it in Davy's makeup to be involved in the background or being involved in the foreground? But look, obviously, his role is a little bit more than that now at this stage if he's getting into rows on the sideline. But look, I suppose it opens up the bigger conversation then as well as. Do we need all these people on the sideline? Look, we've seen the GA crack down it in recent years with, you know, Amir Kamal maybe and Amir Ishka and that's it and the manager in his little managerial box or in her little managerial box on the sideline and everyone else in the background. And look, I think probably that's the conversation that needs to happen more so than who was on the line or who wasn't on the line or who was round or who wasn't. Maybe it's the case of there's a banished door there on the day he gets the banished door, babe. He or she goes onto the sideline and everyone else, bar a Harley carrier or an water carrier on either side or whatever, is in the stand and is in the background. Look, I don't know how much impact a, a strength and condition coach or a Harlem coach can have on a game on a day on the sideline. Like maybe they need to be in the stand and if they need to get a message to the girls, then it's through a runner or through the manager on the sideline. And I think that's probably the bigger conversation to be had. We don't need sidelines packed. With, look, if you get to Crow Park, you don't get to do it there. So I think if that's the way it's going to be, that's the way it should be from the get go. Yeah, OK, well, we'll park it there for a the minute. We'll see how that will play out. But I think I agree with you there that uh, definitely there was too many on that sideline from what I could see anyway. And uh, I'm not sure as a man who put himself down as the coach 
uh, you know, realistically, he was only going to be doing uh, a couple of sessions a week. Uh, needs to be in the position that he needed to be in. Uh, quickly, uh, looking at the Camogie statement about the matches at the weekend there, Elaine, you know, a lot of flack about venues and the venues that were chosen. And some people even then maybe questioning in the last 48 hours or thereabouts, maybe player welfare, that maybe some of these matches shouldn't have gone ahead. Just to read the Camogie Association statement that was made uh, shortly after uh, the match down in Clamel that we were at, uh, the Camogie Association would like to sincerely thank members and supporters for their understanding and patience in relation to change to the fixture schedule this weekend. Matches have been fixed in consultation with participating clubs. We apologise for all the inconvenience of venue changes and fixtures deferrals and respectfully request that you continue to respect our volunteers and staff who are managing the ever-changing situation. Thank you all for your understanding and cooperation in this uh, challenging uh, situation. That was the view of the Camogie Association. They did come in for some flack. Uh, what's your own thoughts on it, Elaine? Yeah, look, I suppose there's a couple of different areas and there's a huge amount of areas on it. Look, and we all have the benefit here now of hindsight. We can look back and say, yeah, the weather was shocking on Saturday. The weather was shocking on Sunday. Pitches were terrible, but the Camogie Association didn't have that at the time. So if you look at Saturday's game, I suppose scheduled for a cabin first and then called off shortly beforehand as a snow on the pitch there. The feedback I got was that both clubs, um, Shotneil were on the road, Sarsfield were willing to play. Both teams wanted to play it that weekend and wanted to get it played. So wherever they had to go to play it, they were willing to go to play it. Now, look, obviously, Gory, I mean, there's no one in the Camogie Association or there's no one who's ever looked at a map of Ireland that thinks Gory is central to Sarsfields or to Schlockneil. Question I have is maybe it was the most central pitch that could be gotten. So that's the whole other argument about pitches and the Camogie Association having to go cap in hand to GA or to whoever clubs looking for pitches. And that was obviously the case on Saturday. I don't believe for a second that Gory was the first choice for either teams or for the Camogie Association. But maybe it transpired that when both teams wanted to play it. And in the background, then you have one of those teams who's going to qualify for an All-Ireland final. So if you have the scenario of it doesn't get played, it gets pushed out to next weekend, they have a week less to recover. So there's a whole other issue there. And you have Croke Park booked for the 6th of March. The All-Ireland Club final is going ahead on the 6th of March. So what do you do if you get to next weekend and the weather is equally as bad and as changeable as it was last weekend? You've run out of time. The club final doesn't get played in Croke Park, maybe doesn't get played at all, or you certainly don't get the semi-final played. And look, as I said, in hindsight, you look back and say, right, the weather and the weather warnings that came in, should any of the games have gone ahead? And that's across the board. I mean, if you saw some of the football games that went ahead across the weekend, some of the Division 1, 2 league games that went ahead in the Camogie, in hindsight, look, if there's a weather warning, it's, it's hard to say whether any game should actually go ahead or not. But then again, you're working on the type, time constraints this year. In another year, you mightn't have it because you mightn't be trying to run off club championship in a small six or eight week window. You mightn't have the the league trying to be run off in that division, that short window. But that's what we had last weekend. And look, I think it's a credit to all the players, the management, the officials, everyone who got the games out, got them played in far from ideal conditions. Like Ideally, you wouldn't have played Camogie football or Hurling last weekend. But unfortunately, with the way the calendar is this year, there wasn't a choice but to get them played. Postpone them till next weekend. You ran the risk that the same thing would happen again next weekend and that we'd be up against the All-Ireland final and we'd have no semi-finals played. So... Look, as I said, hindsight, I think, is obviously a wonderful thing. And it's easy for everyone to look back and say, this should happen, that should happen, the other thing should have happened. Ultimately, there was a couple of officials in charge on Saturday, but a cancellation in Cavan, having to find a venue in less than 24 hours, get two teams to that venue, get officials to that venue, and get the game played on time. So getting credit to everyone that got it done. It's far from ideal. And as I said, it opens up a lot of other conversations about pitches, who's looking for pitches, who's asking who for pitches, what willingness is there among be it the GA, Camogie and clubs around the country 
but to anyone who got the games out and got them played at the weekend credit to them all yeah, credit to them all. I think uh, no doubt, and I agree with you uh, there that they uh, did get played, but fair play to the players. And I think even you know word now eventually being confirmed that uh, Shock Neil happened to stay in Bray over the uh, overnight because they, they were so anxious to get that game played as well. But uh, anyway, the games have been played, so maybe we can move on from a doubt. And uh, next week we'll be looking forward to obviously those finals on the sixth. Uh, of uh, March and uh, we'll be talking about them uh, again uh, shortly uh, just a quick word Elaine on the GPA motion uh, how are you feeling about that we got to see obviously uh, and great to see you know um, we got to see the women of, uh, from from the uh, Camogie fields and obviously ladies football involved with the, the hurlers and the footballers yesterday at the GPA announcement this motion to bring about equality and uh, integration what's your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. And like, as you said, it's great. I think since the WGPA and the GPA merged to have that united front and to have the players looking after the players, be they male, female, football, camogie, hurlers, whatever they are, it's the players looking after the players. So I think that's the first really positive step. And when you see the pictures from yesterday and see the video, it's good to see that representation across the board, that equality across the board. Yeah, look, it's something that obviously as a camogie player and as a woman and involved in the GA and in camogie, it's something you've wanted to see. And it's something that should have happened in my mind a long, long time ago. Um, I suppose it's not as straightforward as throwing a blanket over us all, calling us the GA or something new and saying, that's it, now we're all in here together. There's obviously a lot, a lot of stuff to be worked out right from grassroots the whole way up. Like, I mean, I still find it so funny that like, if you have a parent who goes down to the club registration morning on a Saturday morning, they have Johnny and Mary twins and Johnny and Mary want to play hurling and football and Johnny goes over and he registers with the GA, and that's grand. He can play Harlem football and they turn around, they expect Mary to be able to do the same. But no, if Mary wants to play football, she has to go register with the LGFA. If she wants to play camogie, she has to go register with the camogie. Like it doesn't make sense right from the grassroots the whole way up from there. Like So it's a huge, huge task. Um, and whoever takes it on and whoever gets it over the line is going to have a job of work to do on it. Like I know I've been very lucky in Mulavato over the years that the Harlem Club and the camogie club have been one. There's been no difference in it. We've had the same chairperson in the Harlem Club as we've had in the Camogie and they've swapped roles. So we're very, very lucky and we're well integrated. We've got two pitches there and we've always got on well together. So, you know, it's not an issue in a lot of clubs, but I know clubs where it is an issue and it obviously is a big issue. But look, you have the whole side of funding, sponsorship. There's a whole other world. It's brilliant that, that steps are being taken and well overdue steps. They should have been taken a long, long time ago. And conversation is happening now, which it didn't for a long time. And there was a lot of it swept under the carpet about who might want to join with who or who might want to give up what positions and whatever. I think that's all coming out in the open now and I think it needs to be out in the open. It's going to happen. It's going to take time though. I don't think it's something, like I said, that we can just wave a magic wand over and, and we'll all be one tomorrow. But I definitely think the steps are there and we're moving in the right direction. And if you have the GPA behind it, I find these things tend to get moving a little bit quicker. So yeah, all for it, um, backing at the 100%, but just fully conscious that I don't think it's something that can just be fixed overnight. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be something that uh, it looks like is going to play itself out over the next few um, next few years even. But look, hopefully we get it over the line, I think, and get it kick-started anyway uh, with uh, Congress uh, and that motion. Uh, Elaine, let's uh, switch then to the on-field action. And uh, the club semi-finals, you know, they threw up some interesting duels. All were dominated by the weather in some way. And obviously a lot of noise over Saturday's fixing of Sarsfields versus Loch Neal for Naveen Adin on Sunday after the snow forced the cancellation in Kingsman Brefney. Extra time was needed and goals tend to win matches. And obviously that penalty was so, so important. Um, Sarsfields and Owlert have now set up a, a rematch as they had in Nolan Park, obviously. And um, 
you know, you would just feel a little bit of hurt is obviously carrying Sarsfields along here, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it showed, I think, on Sunday. I think a lot of their players who maybe, by their own high standards, didn't have the greatest of All-Ireland finals back before Christmas, really stepped up to the plate last Sunday. And I think they were the ones that really drove it forward. But like, as you said, it was nip and tuck. Like, both of those teams hurt by Eulert last year. Um, Sars was obviously in the All-Ireland final and Schlockneil in the semi-final. Both obviously dying to get back to have a crack at Eulert again and try and prove themselves. Um, it went, as you said, right down to the wire as we expected it would be. And obviously the weather made it a low-scoring, tight affair. I'm not sure if the weather had been any better. Would it have been any different? Because those two teams know one another so well. They know their ins and outs. The, mar- the matchups were huge, I think, all over the field. Um, Tara Kenny picking up Tina Bradley, I think, was a massive one for Sarsfields. It gave them a real foothold in that half-back line then, and it let Laura Ward push forward a little bit. And she had a huge game, as did Maria Cooney for Sarsfields. And then up front, as you said, goals win games a lot of the times, but certainly this time of the year. And Sarsfields were the ones that got the two on on Sunday, and look, credit to Schlockneil, they bounced back every single time and they got the two points back really, really quickly after the two goals, got themselves back in contention, but probably just ran out of a little bit of time coming near the end. They have to maybe go back to the well again, but uh, I don't think we'll see the end of Schlockneil in lots of ways. Uh, they seem to have, uh, you know, unearthed or not even unearthed, but some some of those who might have been panel members in recent years seem to have stepped up onto the team. Uh, it probably would mean, though, that we're going to have to be keeping an eye on some of the uh, elder players of, of that side, whether they will start to drift away now. But, you know, they, they have exerted dominance there in the last while. You can't see them going too quietly, let's say, Elaine. No, absolutely not. And I think, look, they did a lot to address any issues they might have felt, I suppose, after the 2019 All-Ireland. They had a few positional changes. Even Cassidy was gone up to, to wing forward, albeit playing a bit more around the middle of the field and stuff. But they rejigged their players. So, as you said, they had a couple of new girls introduced, rejigged what they had, and I think maybe found a good combination. Look, they came within a whisker, I suppose, of beating Sarsfields last Sunday. And on any other given day, they could have been, been closer, maybe. But they certainly won't go away. As you said, they've really, they six in a row in Ulster. Like they're totally dominant up there. And anytime they're winning that, they're coming with momentum into it. And on another bounce of a day, they could have been contesting six All-Irelands in a row. Like they are absolutely up there. And there's nothing separated them and Sarsfields or them and Eulert over the last couple of years, only a score on any given day. So certainly not gone away. And look, expect to see them back knocking around the, the closing stages of the championship at the end of this year too. Now, we were in the Clomel sports field. Owlert, they've maintained their hold on the title with, you'd have to say, a professional display, Elaine. I think uh, they were probably the better team even against the wind, uh, such was the thing, as you rightly mentioned on our analysis. Uh, you know, it's going to be hard to prize that cup out of hands, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Look, they're the team that just keep on going and keep on going. And any questions anyone would have had over them last year, maybe were well and truly diminished on the 18th of December in Nolan Park when they when they took that All-Ireland title and made little of Sarsfield's effort in fairness and they showed a lot of that grit and a lot of that determination and I just think the hurling, their skills, their, the, like the day was so rough, it was so wet, so windy and yet they just did the basics really, really well. Like their first touch was on point each and every time and as you said, obviously they isolate Una on the edge of the square there and with the winds in their back, I suppose, they were bombing long ball in, but Scarf Ogonlo had Susan Vaughan drop back and, you know, she was that spare player there. They probably didn't get the same return that they wanted to, even though they were playing with the wind and did go in 10 points up at halftime. But it was when they turned to face the breeze in the second half that that Euler team just really came alive. Like, Kios, they just cover every blade of grass. Like, I think for the for Una Lacey's first goal in that second half, it was Shelley was back down on her own end line, mm. turned over a Scarf Ogonlo attack carried the ball up, worked it really, really well up the lines. And then we got that long ball into Una on the edge of the square. And as I said, she doesn't make a mistake when she gets that ball in there. 
I think if she got two balls in that second half and got two goals from them, that's what they had. But as you said, they actually nearly played better against the Breeze, I felt, because it forced Scarf on low being 10 points down at halftime, had to be a little bit more honest, had to push forward a little bit. And when they did, that just opened the space for Rona Lacey and Ursula Jacob inside and they punished you. Yeah, absolutely punished and uh, they march on. We'll talk about them, as you said, next week. Uh, looking forward to uh, the 6th of March, but it's a refixture of uh, what happened down in uh, Nolan Park before Christmas, uh, where the reigning champions, Owlert, will take on the pretenders at the moment anyway, and former All-Ireland champions, uh, Sarsfield. Stephanie promises to be an engaging encounter on the 6th of March. Uh, Elaine, we'll just touch on uh, some of the others then uh, down the grades. The Intermediate Camogie semi-finals. Uh, set up St. Rhinus and Galtier again and uh, Rhinus came out on top with another tough encounter between both of them and unfortunately we won't see Neve Mallon and Portaferry uh, in an All-Ireland final because a uh, lot of people didn't see maybe this one coming but uh, great credit what's going on in Salt Hill Nocturne in Camogie stages there on an All-Ireland stage now up against St. Rhinus. Yeah and another huge day I suppose for Galway Camogie with Sarsfield back in the senior final and now as you said Salt Hill Nocturne back in the intermediate and Really impressive victory in their semi-final. You know, they kind of dominated from the start and got the scores on the board. And as you said, set up that final now with St. Rhinus. So what a battle they've had with Galtier over the years. And it actually proved absolutely no different. And as we mentioned already, goals win games. And it was a penalty in that one as well, I think, was a mm. was a deciding goal. But look, Dave Rhinus are in the such a position now to be able to put two back-to-back in the space of a couple of weeks and make that leap up then to the senior grade. So what a huge achievement that would be for them. I suppose that's the real... The real nugget from last Saturday was the real card to get over Galtier. Like, you didn't get over Galtier, you were back at the bottom again and starting to build again and trying to put two All-Irelands back-to-back. Any other year would take 12 months or more, so you'd have the whole 12 months. You have to go back, try and get through your county championship again, whereas on this occasion, they came out of the All-Ireland final earlier in the year, knowing that in six, seven weeks that they could be back at the top again and taking that ultimate step up to senior. So they made no mistake, but pushed all the way by a super, super Galtier team. Yeah, so Rainers have done that, but unfortunately from Raharney, their hopes of being able to do that quickly and get to intermediate have been punctured by their longtime rivals now, uh, Clan Morris. Um, you know, phenomenal effort. Raharney got the goal, but Clan Morris kept them to two points uh, over a half hour period and were able to rattle the scores. And some of their big names came up on top for them again. And they're back in an All Ireland final, waiting on either Owen Ruhr or Athlete, who will play this weekend. That was the only game that ultimately was called off. But, uh, you know, credit Clan Morris, they keep coming back there. Yeah, and you spoke about the hurt maybe that, that Sarsfield has shot Neil felt at the weekend. I'd say Clan Morris have been building up a good bit of it since that All Ireland final earlier in the year. And- you know, the couple of things that just went against them, the players not being registered, small things like that, that fills a bit of a bit of heart and a bit of determination in a team. Not that Clan Morris needed. I think they're well, they're well versed in that. But they said it was their big players. Patrice Digham, I think, got a score from her knees to equalise it coming into just into ordinary time, finishing off and force it to extra time. And they have such experience. And I suppose, you know, for Harney are the All-Ireland champions, obviously. But Clan Morris with you know girls involved with Kerry panels, being to Crow Park and stuff over the years. That's huge, huge experience. And I suppose on a day when weather conditions weren't going to suit lovely light, nippy hurling, and when it was going to be a case of just dogging in and getting the results, it was that experience, I think, that finally pushed Ken Morris over the, over the finish line in, in extra time and set up that All-Ireland final for them. Yeah, definitely helps that they got players I think back involved and registered and everything uh, over the last couple of weeks it seems because uh, you know in the tricky conditions Elaine I'm just thinking to be able to have legs to come off the bench they didn't have that down in Tipperary today in the All-Ireland final but uh, you know it seems to have been beneficial definitely in the last few weeks 
Yeah, definitely. Look, we saw that day. It was the Raharni subs coming on. Just brought a little bit of injection of, of energy and a bit of fresh legs in around the field and, and just got the ball moving again, whereas Tan Morris didn't have that. You know, and there was a couple of their girls probably struggled a little bit on the day. You could see them maybe nearly at times looking to the sideline thinking if there was anyone there that they'd put up their hands and they'd say, look, I, I've done my bit. Like, and as I said, they've been on the road a while, a couple of those Tan Morris girls. So a stronger panel and a, and a fresh bit of energy at that stage of a game, especially last weekend, given the conditions and everything, definitely stood to Tan Morris. Yeah, so they will be in the All-Ireland final in a couple of weeks' time as well. And the Junior B final will be between Nakanana Wicklow back in the final. They lost out to Tyrone opposition uh, only a number of weeks ago. Well, they have to take on Tyrone opposition again. Derry Lahan uh, got the better of Oren in that. An impressive victory for Nakanana, uh, defeating Full and Gales, who would have come with a little bit of expectation there to Abbottstown, but Nakanana defeating them well, 215 to 1 2. They're carrying some hurt, I'd imagine, of a previous All-Ireland final loss. So they're hoping to be able to uh, rectify that in the Junior B uh, final which will be taking place in a couple of weeks time so best of luck to all of those and as you can uh, gather we can get all those results and uh, some reaction on uh, the Sportstaz website so just check that out at sportstaz.ie right we're going to leave it there for part one Elaine is going to stay with us but after the break we hear from Tipperary PRO Geraldine Canan on some exciting news that's coming out of the Premier County stay with us I like listening sports dads because I like to listen to ladies football and ladies camogie. Right, so welcome back. And, uh, well, big news coming out of uh, Tipperary because, uh, well, they're announcing new partnerships all over the place, I believe, at the moment. And a big uh, press release is, uh, well, imminent, uh, we would imagine, on some of those uh, new ideas and new link-ups that they've been having. And we're going to uh, talk all about it now uh, with, of course, uh, Geraldine Canan, well-known in Tipperary camogie circles, but uh, has taken on the mantle of PRO now for the last couple of seasons. And, Geraldine, uh, big movements uh, taking place within Tipperary camogie. Yeah, Killian, great day today. Um, I suppose for Tipperary Camogie, we're delighted to launch uh, two new uh, innovative partnerships. Um, the first, I suppose, is the announcement of Alpha Drives Limited as the brand new sponsor for Tipperary Camogie. Um, they take over from Everest, who sponsored Tipperary for the last three years, a great sponsor. And, you know, that term ended. And we are delighted, I suppose, to have a new sponsor coming on board and committing for three years as well. Um, so that's big news for the county, Alpha Drives Limited, a brand new sponsor. And then also today we launched um, a new partnership that we have with Satanta College. So this is a very exciting partnership where Satanta College, I suppose, will oversee all the electric development um, of the county teams to Brary, right from under 14 development squads all the way up to the senior team. Um, a similar um, announcement was made uh, back in December where they come on board with the GA. So it's the exact same. Um, so it's, we're aligned now with them as well for the Camogie. And it's, you know, it's brilliant news and it's very exciting. And it was great to, to launch the two of them today in the in the county Camogie grounds in the rag. Um, you know, not every day is a good day in sport when you're involved in sport, but today certainly was a great day uh, for Camogie. And it's very exciting and it's a huge boost, I suppose, for all the players and the management and people behind the scenes and the background to, to have this uh, giant two partnerships really coming on board today. 
Yeah, and, and that follows on from the great news then in the last couple of weeks as well, um, you know, where you were the beneficiary of uh, the Capital Sports Grant. And uh, we now are going to be seeing a situation where we have a Tipperary Camogie Centre of Excellence in association with St. Joseph's College in Boris Salee. You know, that, like that's a, a fabulous development. You tie all that in, especially with Satanta. Um, you know, it, it's it's all working very neatly in place because you, you obviously have the programmes with Satanta. You can enact them on this new pitch in Boris and uh, turn it into fruition in the rag. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly the plan, I suppose, Gillian. Um, you know, I suppose this grant was applied for, as you know yourself, about 12 months ago. And to, to find out there in the last week or two that, uh, you know, St. Joseph's College Bursley, a giant um, application with Dipperay Kowogi, uh, to find out that, um, you know, they got 246,000 in, in grant uh, funding. It's absolutely brilliant. And, um, you know, it means that Tipperary Camogie can now develop their, their centre of excellence in uh, St. Joseph's College, Burris Lee. And the county grounds, I suppose, is located in the rag. And literally, this is four kilometres in the road, uh, the school. It already has a um, fantastic indoor sports hall, which Tipperary Camogie have access to and have been using. And now there's going to be a development of a floodlit astroturf pitch, um, a hurling wall, uh, upgrading the change of facilities and they're putting in a fully kitted out gym um, which the tenter are going to be overseeing that and you know it's fantastic like like a lot of counties you know we wouldn't have winter training facilities you're going here there and everywhere uh, for flood floodlight at this time of year all the different teams are being dragged all over and to have a central location now where you can do your strength and conditioning um, you can do work in the sports hall then you can go out and do your hurling on the pitch and you have the hurling wall. It can be used for um, video analysis, team announcements, all that. Uh, to have a location for that, it, you know, it's fantastic. And again, it's very exciting. And, um, you know, the partnership with Santa College, you know, they have their state-of-the-art facilities in Tarlis that, you know, the Tiberi teams will be using. And then we'll also have, you know, a new gym coming on board in, in St. Joseph's Bursley that we'll have access to. So it's, you know, another great boost for the county. And, you know, credit to all the work done by... Um, Officers in the county board, like the Dennis Lennon chairperson, uh, Anya Kylie O'Donnell and Grania secretary or Grania Fogarty as secretary. Uh, the three of them, I suppose, you know, are at the top table of the county board and really driving on with developments in the county. And these are things they've been working on, you know, behind the scenes. And it's great to have them come to fruition now in the last few weeks. And you know, credit also to um, Kevin McCarthy, principal in St Joseph's College, Bursley, and. And the board of management there, you know, John Walsh, the chairperson, you know, all these people working behind the scenes have an interest in Camogie and want to see Camogie progress in the county. And, you know, it's great that it, it, it's all coming together. Because I will say, and this is not showing any disrespect to anybody else, uh, uh, Geraldine, but sometimes within Camogie administration, the joined up thinking is not always in place and you might get one thing and you might get another. But this seems to be all perfectly uh, knitting into you. It's now all about maybe just getting results on the pitches. Yeah, exactly. I suppose, you know, I mean, the teams and the players and the management are working away, doing their thing. And I suppose the administrators are trying to see what can they do to, you know, to make it, I suppose, make it easier for the players and, you know, whether it's club or county. And, you know, we've seen those kind of, I suppose, at the senior level, get closer and closer every year, um, reaching the semifinals now for the last four years. And, you know, we'd all love to get back to Crow Park and, and you know, better again if, if, we, if we could win in All-Ireland. But, it all takes time and it all it's all about the you know the inches and I suppose these are all things that are definitely going to help and, and, and support that I suppose which is probably the ultimate goal in the county, you know. 
Uh, looking at it as well, the partnership with Satanta, obviously, the, you know, girls now will be looked after with regards to the whole element of uh, sports science, strength and conditioning, psychology and nutrition, everything in that in that end from, uh, you know, a young enough age, they'll be, you know, secondary school, starting secondary school. And if they're involved, obviously, at county level, they're going to be, how would I put it? Everything is going to be put in place for them that they will, will be seriously well minded as, 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 a, as an individual to then obviously come to fruition at the underage level. And uh, you would hope then to see that uh, replicated at senior. Yeah, exactly. And look, I spoke to Des Ryan today, director of uh, coaching performance at Santa College, and he spoke really well about it. Um, you know, explaining you know that um, research would show that there's a higher percentage of you know female athletes you know going over an ankles and you know tearing ligaments and this thing and and that athletic development I suppose is needed and it's needed at a young age but you know he emphasized too when he's met with parents that you know it's all about you know the holistic approach to well-being the health like you said you know nutrition lifestyle everything and you know for him it's all about you know that the, a, be, a better version of themselves that they can give the you know the best that they can be and look they're not all going to go out and, and, and play adult inter-county level but they'll all go back to their clubs you know, a stronger and as you know, a better version of themselves. And you know, I suppose people the old days think it's about lifting weights and all that. Like, you know, it's all a lot more than that, all about mobility and flexibility and you know, this like you said, sports science of it and uh, you know, developing as an athlete and injury prevention and um, you know, it's time to college, you know, they're fantastic college here locally and you know they're 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 operating, you know, internationally now as well. And it's just great to to be on board with them and yeah, well, it's a great initiative and fair play uh, for, for signing that up. Uh, be, before we let you go, just maybe a word for John Dwan as well as the sponsor. You know, great to see, uh, you know, a local man, business doing quite well, uh, based in Port Leash, all right, but, uh, you know, giving back as well into the uh, community and into the Camogie uh, group within Tipperary. Yeah, look, it's fantastic. You know, again, spoke with John today. He's a, a passionate uh, Tipperary man, you know, a native of Holy Cross. Uh, he's living in Turles now and, you know, he set up Alpha Drives Limited back in 2003 in Port Leash and, you know, it's, um, you know, it's a, a company, I suppose, that's gone from strength to strength and he's been, he's successful in his career and his business and, you know, I suppose he's given back something to the community and supporting women in sport and, you know, I suppose he looking to at that, the women will be on an equal foot and I suppose with their male counterparts and you know it's, it's a real uh, good sponsorship that he has offered and um, you know we're we're delighted for him like I said he's a, a serious business going there in uh, in Port Leash um, the design and manufacture power distribution more control panels and he was saying you know anywhere there's manufacturing going on in, in, in the country chances are people will be using you know their equipment and you know, that's what the, the line of business they're involved in. And, um, you know, it's a very interesting guy and um, very interesting in supporting to break Morgan, I suppose, getting him to the next level. And, you know, that's what he hopes to get out of it, that, you know, that his support can help to bring the, you know, the to break Morgan to the next level and have success on the field. Yeah, well, some exciting then partnerships and initiatives ahead for you. Um, so let's talk about on the field and to wrap this uh, section up, uh, Geraldine. You know, the, obviously Bill Milani is very happy with how things have progressed in the opening rounds. He's getting to see a number of new players and a few new players as well, uh, Geraldine, that have uh, shown a third level uh, scenario in the last couple of weeks as well. So that obviously all bodes well for a happy camp at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I suppose we see players... Like so Sarah Delaney and Cream Blair, I suppose we're coming on as subs maybe last year or we're borderline and got a bit of championship and league time. And then you see them maybe getting 
starting league matches now and getting a lot more game time, like you said, playing well in college as well and really progressing and, um, you know, I suppose stepping up and, uh, you know, Tipperary obviously have shown that, you know, they're in the top four now, but they're still there's still a gap between them and the Galways and the Kilkenny's and Cork. So we need every player, I suppose, to come up a level or two to try and compete with the top three teams. And, you know, so that's one to 30 on the panel. Everyone needs to improve. And we're definitely seeing signs of that already in the league with, with players, I suppose, that maybe were fringe players last year, you know, being um, marquee players there in the first two rounds and being leaders on the field, like Cyclone McIntyre, um, Claire Hogan all really performing I've been very impressed with their scoring tallies um, I suppose something that's let us down in the past maybe not scoring enough not getting enough points from play and maybe reliant on freeze or reliant on cost but you were spread their scores in the first two days um, you know not newcomers on the team and all of them getting on the scoreboard that can only do great for confidence and, and so forth Right, well, Geraldine, uh, it's uh, all bodes well, as we said, off the field, everything is in order. It's uh, maybe now uh, time to, uh, no pressure on Bill Milhani and, and the other county managers to maybe start progressing things on, on the field of play. But as I said, once you have the house in order, maybe other things uh, tend to follow as well. But uh, it's, uh, as I said, exciting times ahead for uh, Tipperary. That's uh, Geraldine Canan, then, uh, current uh, PRO of uh, Tipperary Camogie Board and, of course, uh, a former great in her own right. I'm sure she's still great in lots of ways as well, but uh, thanks indeed, uh, Geraldine, for joining us. After the break, Elaine and I look back on the second day of National League action. I like listening to sports stars because he has famous celebrities and I guess listen to him. Darren Kelly. Andrew, welcome back to part three. Exciting times ahead down in Tipperary by the sounds of things there with Geraldine Canan and we wish the best of luck to Tipperary Camogie uh, with their new ventures. Um, Elaine, let's have a look at the uh, Littlewoods uh, Camogie Leagues then. Um, you'd have to credit Galway, a, a powerful start against a young uh, Dublin side at the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, and especially given that they were away from home, you know, I suppose they had to, they had to do the travelling in that one. They would have been favourites, but look, I suppose a lot would have been made of Dublin too. Adrian O'Sullivan's in his second year up there now. Had a good representation on the colleges weekend across all the grades there and a couple of really standout performances, I suppose, from a Dublin point of view. So they certainly would have had aspirations going into the game. And look, I suppose they got a performance. They're down to 14 players, I think, for a good part of it. So that probably didn't help it and conditions and everything. But look, Galway would be delighted just to be up and running get up a good score, get points on the board and, and head back to Galway with the win. Yeah, and that's without, obviously, the Sarsfield contingent. Yeah, that's the thing. And I suppose that's what a lot of managers, you know, like Carl, in, in the position of, he probably knows what his strongest 15 was, or certainly 12 of the 15. So it's looking to build a panel now, looking to build a bit of depth in it, get a bit of game time into some of the fringe players maybe, and and then push some of the Sarsfield girls coming back. You know, you don't want any gimmies when they're coming back that they think that the jersey is there just there to take you know you want to have a team that's going really really well maybe without them introduce the Sarsfields girls look they'll be hoping they come back on a bit of a high from from the club All-Ireland and um, push the girls that are already there in possession of the jersey so it's all good from a Galway point of view I suppose the more the more winnings they can do without the Sarsfields girls the stronger their position is when the Sarsfields girls do come back in yeah, one fifteen to six point success uh, over Dublin. I'd imagine Dublin uh, going to uh, start over the next few weeks, and we'll see some of those girls come to the fore that we saw at the uh, third level competitions. Um, but again, you would feel from a Dublin point of view, Galway probably wasn't the target for them, Elaine. I would imagine you know they're looking at the likes of Down and Offaly. Yeah, and it's probably nice from them that they got that Galway game out of the way. You know, the reigning All Ireland champions. You, you have to be on your best to beat them on any given day. So I suppose your first round of the league maybe is not going to be where you're going to be hitting the highs. And 
from a Dublin and Adrian O'Sullivan point of view, as you said, there's, there's games further down the line that they're going to target and they're going to try and get the wins in those games. They want to stay out of that bottom relegation battle. You know, it's a position they were in last year. They don't want to be in it this year. But I certainly think, look, coming on the week after the back of the Ashburn, as I said, when so many Dublin girls had been involved in the in the college's weekend, that probably disjoints the Dublin training a little bit. They're probably looking to get a good run out against Galway and I'd say start to look to build and get wins from here on in now and start to, to cement their place in Division 1. Yeah, and on that, uh, Dublin have Offaly uh, this coming weekend. Uh, Offaly got fairly well... Their, their backsides handed to them a little bit by Tipperary. You know, the, that's a phenomenal two games now for uh, Bill Milani and his Tipperary crew. And as he said, still, you know, he's trying things out, players in different positions. And, you know, it's uh, he's put up two good scores so far. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Bill is the, the manager. I think everyone is chasing at the moment. He's doing exactly what we spoke about, building a panel. And I think it's something that probably came against Tip coming in the latter stages of the championship last year. I, Definitely know there were days I saw Mary Ryan out there and I'm not sure she was 100% fit every day. Like she's still going to give you 100%, but just think it would be nice and it's nice at the minute to be able to, to mind her maybe a little bit for the league, not have to put her out every weekend, get a bit of experience into some of the younger girls. And some of the younger girls are really establishing themselves, like Sarka Ryan and Sarah Delaney, you know, both named on the college's team of the, the weekend, last weekend from Ashburn. So they're coming back with huge experience and on a high after that Ashburn weekend. So get the game time into them. And as I said, look, they're there then. If Mary Ryan picks up an injury or she's not fit, you have ample cover straight away. But equally, you have someone vying for the jersey and that's only going to drive training in Tipperary. You can imagine now the Drummond Inch girls coming back in, a couple of girls coming back from injury and you're coming back into a team that are putting up scores like Tipperary are putting up the last couple of weekends. Everything's going well in Tipperary and they're all going to be driving one another for positions. And that's exactly what you want because... It's gone past a 15 or even a 20 player game now at this stage. You know, you need to have a strong panel. And I think that's something that Bill is really looking to build on during the league. And look, he's doing that and he's still managing to get massive results. Now, look, they're going to have tougher tests ahead. There's no doubt about that, but he's certainly going in the right direction. Yeah, 421 to 15 victories over Offaly. You would feel the Offaly Dublin game, whoever loses that, you know, they're really under pressure then, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, as you said, if teams are targeting games, you know, they're, they're nearly taking it as a given that the Offaly Dublin game are teams are, to, are wins that they're going to get. And from an Offaly Dublin point of view, then they need to be eyeing one another up and saying it's going to be you or me on, on the bottom of that group. And a huge game this weekend for them then um, Offaly are at home in it, I think. But um, the folk coming back off the back of, I suppose, Dublin, a defeat, but a defeat to the All-Ireland Champions. And they were competitive and mm. it wasn't the big beating that Offaly got. Look, it's hard to... To, see, to pick yourselves up, I suppose they didn't get out the first weekend against Galway, so maybe they avoided one of those big hammerings, but they did get one last weekend, and it's hard to turn that around in a week now, and they'll be ready for the visit of Dublin in what you know is going to probably be a, a battle of the relegation, maybe. Yeah, and down are also going to be probably pulled into that because you'd expect them to lose to Galway. No disrespect to them, although Galway do have to travel uh, down, ship the big beating against uh, Tipperary. You know, if you're looking for a bounce back this weekend, unfortunately, you know, to be taking on the All-Ireland champions is not, you know, really what you want, is it? No, and I suppose the only saving grace, as you said, is it's a home game for down, so they don't have to travel to the home of the All-Ireland champions. And look, I think getting a victory there is probably something that, that they can't really target Given, going by the performance against Tip the first day, they're a long, long way off the pace of, of Division 1 Camogie. They look, unless they've done something miraculous in the last two or three weeks to turn that around, you would imagine look, that they just need to look at getting a performance maybe. And it's something they didn't get, get against Tipperary the first day. You know, they were disappointing in all aspects, really. They never troubled Tip at any stage. And I know look, they travelled and the weather conditions and everything, but still 
they, they failed to really put any real pressure on Tip. You know, they had a bit of a better second half performance, but still well off the pace. And you'd imagine that that'll be the way it would be when Galway will visit them at the weekend. Yeah, and they're going to see a man that uh, has uh, trucked through the counties uh, with a bit of hurling up that part of the world as well, especially with Antrim. But Dini Cahill, now part of the Galway uh, Camogie management team, uh, that's a fair acquisition, I think, for uh, Cahill and his crew. You know, a different voice in around there. They're talking seriously about back-to-back All-Ireland titles, Elaine. You know, Dini Cahill will be asking different questions of them, I'd imagine. Absolutely. Like, what a gem to have in a backroom team and to be able to add it to a backroom team that's already the All-Ireland, reigning All-Ireland champions. And a fairly impressive backroom team on its own right, you know, without the introduction of Dini Cahill. So with him involved there, as you said, fresh voice, just a bit of a new attitude, maybe a couple of new ideas. And as you said, I think back-to-back is really the target for Galway this year. You know, I, we're quite enough about it. Maybe I won't speak that loudly about it, but I certainly think it's something that's driving them. You know, they've done a couple of, of single All-Irelands now, but they failed to put it back-to-back. And I think that's really going to drive them this year. And Dini Cahill is obviously in there with the aim of trying to push them that little bit extra further, get that little extra inch wherever he can and, and get them over the line again. Yeah, he was uh, with the intermediate side up against uh, Antrim last weekend, uh, the lost out. Uh, but we'll talk about those in a moment. Uh, let's stick with Division 1 then, uh, Elaine, and talk about your home county. Uh, they've had you know, a couple of weeks off now and... They've maybe had a chance, you know, to reflect on things. They obviously the colleges scenario. The number of them were heavily represented on that all-star team, and uh, I think five in total uh, Kilkenny players. Which obviously for Brian Dowling is a nice little shot in the arm. You know, those girls going in with a certain level of confidence. I know they all didn't come away with victories, but still to be able to pick up that individual honour, they take on Clare this weekend. Uh, a Clare side obviously that lost out to Cork, and we'll talk about Cork in a moment. But uh, you know, Kilkenny again. I'm sure Brian Dowling will be happy enough where they are for the moment and uh, obviously they do have to travel to Clare though Yeah I don't think they look past this weekend I think you know Kilkenny have, have sometimes struggled with going to Clare and, and with getting victories there and even when Clare have come to Nolan Park on occasion they've taken the odd scalp there so I don't think Brian and, and the Kilkenny team have taken anything for granted but as you said look huge representation on the colleges seen last weekend and some really good standout performances the likes of Neve Dealey at centre-back for DCU and winning the Ashford you know she's a player carrying massive form now into the league for Brian Dowling so He'll be hoping to build on that. And look, they weren't too far away last year. So getting those little bit extra, I suppose, trying to gain the inches that other teams are trying to gain as well. They've like Julianne Malone back into the panel now, back from Australia. So she brings something a bit new, I think, to the Kilkenny setup as well. So a couple of new players just to freshen up whatever is there already and, and what we know is capable of winning All-Ireland already, but just maybe just to get something a little bit fresher. But I don't think they can look past Clare now this weekend, to be fair to to travel to Clare and try and get a result, I think will be all that they'll be hoping for this weekend. So that's uh, Clare and Kilkenny. And then Cork, um, well, we're not going to mention what happened off the sideline. Let's focus what happened on the pitch. Uh, Sorsha McCartan seems to have been a, a huge plus for Cork uh, and a huge loss for Down when we see where maybe how things are going for Down. But she's a, you know, a recognised goal getter and somebody in there alongside Amy uh, O'Connor is going to be obviously a, a major plus, you would think, for Cork going forward. Myself and Darren have tipped Cork for this National League title you know they went to Clare they did the needful in, in, in horrific conditions now take on Limerick in Parky Cueve which is great to see as part of a double header with the uh, footballers uh, their National League clash at 5 o'clock the Camogie throws in at Parky Cueve at 3 o'clock what do you think of the Cork so far? Yeah look as you said Saoirse McCartan is a huge huge plus for them and when you think of the loss of Linda Collins Hannah Looney at the moment is still away so well, Saoirse brings a bit of both of those players. She's a strong physical player like Hannah Looney, able to get up and down the field if needs be. And she's a score getter like Linda Collins. So she's a huge, huge plus for them. I've seen her through the club championship here 
with the bars during the year and she was a big part in their runs the club semi-finals this year herself and, and Gemma O'Connor in that half forward line so formidable force up there and as you said she's she's not a young player coming in onto the scene that you need to nurture along she's established she's played with Dow and she knows what it's like to win she knows what it's like to lose and she certainly gelled into that Cork front six at the minute anyway so huge huge plus for them and um, took the penalty last weekend so obviously well blended in with them there now it's getting the free-taking duties I suppose last weekend as well with that penalty so Look, she is a huge plus for them. A um, couple of new players sprinkled around the field as well. So, you know, huge, um, a big year for them, I think. You know, they, they came so far last year. Lost Paddy Murray now this year. Obviously have Davy Fitz in as a Harlan coach, Matthew Toomey in there as manager. So I think they'll want to get something out of the league, just maybe to get a bit of silverware, get Cork back up on top and give them a bit of something to kick on into the championship with. And Limerick, uh, you know, the first two rounds for them, they take on Cork and uh, Kilkenny. You know, again, for them, change in management, although they seem to be at their strongest playing-wise than they have been in maybe recent years. Yeah, look, that's, I think, a disappointment is the change in management and it's something that's become so regular with Limerick over the years and I don't think it helps their cause. You know, you have players buying in one year into a management setup and throw everything at it and then suddenly it's management team out, new management team in and that all takes its toll on players. But as I said, they seem to be back at full strength on the field this year and good vibes about things happening in, in Limerick, Camogie, you know, a bit of a revitalisation of the county board down there, a couple of new faces in, fresh young voices. So I think they're certainly making strides in in um in Limerick, Camogie, but they're probably not the two easiest games maybe to start off with. Um, but look, they'll, they'll certainly look to... Look, they had a huge game last year with Kilkenny up in Burr and should probably have beaten Kilkenny on that occasion and, and, and let that one get away. So... You would imagine that with a bit of organisation, with, as you said, the full um, pick of players that they have back there now, that they should ask questions in this league and they should be able to push some of the some of the teams and maybe drive on to try and get up to, I suppose, consistently compete at that quarterfinal, semi-final stage, which is what you want from a team that's, that's in a position at the moment. Yeah, that Cork Limerick game. Then, as you said, at Parky Cueve at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, you can get reaction and the match report from the Cork Clare game on sportsstars.ie. Amy Lee, Davy Fitzgerald, and John Carmody are at the reaction pieces. Uh, into Division Two, Elaine, just quickly the fixtures this weekend: Derry versus Kildare, Wexford Mead, Tipperary play Westmead, Waterford taking on Kilkenny after victories for Antrim, Wexford, and Cork. You know, Darren and myself reckon obviously Waterford wanting to bounce back straight away get back into Division 1 Wexford you know we seem to forget sometimes that this is their first team that's in Division 2 and you know they, their barometer is on the, the way upward curve are they still the two that would stand out in Division 2 that you expect to be challenging at the top? Yeah they probably are and as I said they're the first teams in, in both those counties so you would imagine that they should probably be a little bit step above a second team in a county I suppose Washford and Kilkenny this weekend now will be a barometer. You know, Washford gets to see maybe exactly where they're at um, against Kilkenny's second team. And obviously, look, if you want to be competing in the O'Duffy Cup later in the year, as they do, you want to be comprehensively beaten a county second team before you go on to compete against their first team. So, yeah, they look to get a, a result there. And I think they should probably get one there as well. And as you said, Wexford then, they're, they're on the rise. You know, a couple of their players involved in the college's weekend as well. Last weekend, Kiro O'Connor standing out really at midfield for DCU in that final. So, but they'll bring, look to bring that back. As I said, they were competitive against Kilkenny in last year's quarterfinal in, in Semple Stadium. Probably let themselves down a little bit in that they didn't take the game more to Kilkenny that day, I felt. But certainly the likes of the Kios and Acorn coming back into that now on the back of the, the couple of weeks and months that they've had with Owlers, when they get them back, they'll definitely be a force to be reckoned with. So I think, look, if they can get a couple of results in the league as they go along while they wait for those Owler players to come back and then maybe attack the, 
the championship with real venom when it comes around. I think they're certainly a team we could be looking out for on the up. Yeah, okay, that's in Division 2 then uh, this weekend. Uh, Division 3, you know, it just goes to show you, Wexford Camogie, uh, they're keeping it going. Obviously, a number of counties are at both levels, but uh, Wexford Camogie, to me, just seems to be on such a, a strong upward line. Uh, they defeated Clare 2-9-2-6. Antrim also had victory against Dublin 1-9-1-7. Uh, this weekend, it's Clare down Roscommon, Antrim, Cavan, Armagh, and Carlo and Dublin in uh, Division 3. But again, you're probably looking at the likes of uh, Wexford again there, that uh, might be setting Division 3 alight and for everyone else to chase. Yeah, and, and they did too last year. You know, their, their second team is leading nicely along there. And I think when Camogie in the county is on and up, it drives everything, it rising and tight, brings all ships with it. And certainly when Owlers are going well, the Division 2 team are going well, it seems to drag that Division 3 team along with them as well. And there's a huge incentive there to try and get both teams up a division. I suppose you'd want to have your first team competing at Division 1 if you can at all. And then that opens the gap for the Division 3 team to get up to Division 2. So I think that's probably going to be a real um, goal of Wexford Camogie this year is to try and get both those teams back up, competing at a higher level in the league and then ultimately pushing on for, for championship. Yeah, well, we see how that uh, continues. As you said over the weekend, uh, Wexford not out this weekend, but it'll be probably the chase for the others. And in the F- Division 4, just one game there, uh, Tyrone play Wicklow. Well, that's it for another Sports Stars Camogie. Thanks to Jared Canan for uh, joining us with uh, all the good news that's coming out of Tipperary. And Elaine Elwer, thanks for filling in to my shoes with your analysis of uh, uh, the weekend action. Don't worry, he won't be too far away. Sports Stars himself will be back after he uh, comes off the stage with Le Miserable but Elaine thanks again for joining us and have a good week everyone